Thank you. Oh, dear. Every source we get a morning like it, don't we? I often joke that sometimes church is not church without a technical issue, and uh, today is one of those days. Um, but thank you, team. You're doing your best. I just want to recognize that, because I know that sometimes you can feel that pressure, can't you? Everyone's watching. Um, so thank you for what you're doing. And, and it looks like it's all up and running for later, which is good. Brilliant. I wanted to start, actually, by sharing uh, a testimony um, which relates to what I've got planned for this morning, but it just keeps coming back to my heart. And I often sense that tug sometimes as the Holy Spirit asking me to want to share that thing. And, and it, was, um, it comes from a moment earlier last week when I was out for a run. Um, so Lou and I have been following the to the 10 k running program. Um, so we're up to about seven kilometers at the moment. And it's a really nice opportunity to, to kind of just think, pray, have some space. And I've uh, been listening to a, a, a series of podcasts by Jesus Culture Sacramento on discipleship and the cost of discipleship. And it's been really good and really challenging. And uh, I'd finished listening to one of them, and I was just reflecting on my, my cool-down walk as I was heading back home. I've got the app tells you, now start a five-minute cool-down walk, and then finish by stretching. So I was on my, my way back, ready for a stretch. Um, and as, as I was walking along, God reminded me, and I sensed it was God speaking to me, of a memory from my late teens, early 20s, from a snowboarding trip. So we used to go out with Oak Hall. Anyone familiar with Oak Hall? Yeah, most Christians know Oak Hall. Uh, uh, what was that Oak Hall known for? Uh, singles and dating, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> if people want to get married, go on an Oak Hall trip. Um, that's not true. Uh, I was on a snowboarding skiing trip with them. We took our youth group across. Uh, we went to a place called Vengham, which is uh, over in Switzerland, and we were skiing in the Alps. And we were on uh, the mountain range one afternoon with our instructor. We had a group of the, the, the kids with us when uh, this whiteout happened. If you're not sure what a whiteout is, essentially what happens is a snow cloud comes down low and engulfs the top of the mountain, and you can't see anything. Uh, it's snowing in that cloud, it's in your face, it's like London fog times 10. Literally, it's dangerous to ski, it's dangerous to snowboard, because you can't see in front of you, you can't see if people are behind you. The only clue that you tend to get that somebody's there is that they're on top of you, all right? So it's, it's quite, quite dangerous. And so our instructor with us at this point in time says, right, guys, you need to stop, come to the side, and need to explain something to you, which is really important to help you get down the mountain and remain on piste. On piste basically means that you're staying on the run and you're not going off the run. The danger with going off the run and going off piste is you could end up over the edge of a cliff or falling down a crevice, and you probably won't be found until a couple of thousand years later when you're spat out the bottom. So it's really important that you kind of stop in those moments and, and you just kind of gather yourself and make sure you know what you're doing. And instructor said, our instructor said, right, take a look to the side of you. And he pointed out a piece marker, which is basically just a pole. And they're often in the color of the run that you're doing. So runs are tiered by color, by difficulty. So blue, red, up to black. And uh, on top of the pole was, a red, uh, was an orange band, bright orange band. And he basically said that as you're skiing down in a whiteout, you need to stay near the piece markers. And the piece marker with the orange band on the top has to be on your right-hand side. That way you know you're on piste. So if you look at the marker, it's got an orange band and it's on your right, then you're on piste and you're safe and you just carefully make your way down the mountain. Because a whiteout could last hours, you just have no idea. So rather than sit on the mountain in a snowy cloud for several hours and freeze to death, you have to very carefully make your way down. So that's what we did. We started to carefully make our way down, making sure that the piece marker was to our right with the orange band. 
And then God spoke to me about this memory, and he basically said to me this. My word is like the peace markers, that when whiteout happens in life, when uncertainties come, when you're not sure the way forward, you can't see clearly ahead, you need to turn to my word, which will provide the peace, the peace markers to help you remain on peace, to help you moving in the right direction, to help you move safely, to help you navigate your way through those times when you can't see clearly, when you are struggling to know what's ahead of you or who's around you, when you feel like you might be in a blizzard and everything is chaotic. He said, my word is fundamental in helping you navigate your way to the places of safety. My word is fundamental. Without my word, you can easily end up off-piste and getting yourself into more of a mess and more of a pickle, falling down a cliff or ending up in a crevasse than you would do if you just follow my word. It was one of those moments, it was a not-related thought to, to the message I'd just been listening to my podcast, so it stuck out on my mind, and I really felt this morning that just keep coming to my heart, coming to my heart, coming to my heart, so I thought I'd share it, because what I'm talking about this morning is along a similar vein, and obviously Beth shared from John 10 this morning, which also talked about how my sheep hear my voice, that the word of God is really important for us to be able to navigate and move forward in life safely. Even if we don't understand, we know the one who's put the peace markers in place through his word is trustworthy. Amen? Excellent. So this morning, we're going to carry on in our series of Steps of Faith, but I'm going to take a slightly different tack this morning. Rather than looking at an individual, I want to start by asking a question. And that question is, where does faith come from? Where does faith come from? How does it happen? I've got a couple of quotes I'd like to share. The first one is from a guy called Leonard Ravenhill. He's a late English evangelist. He died in 1994. He said this, faith is taking God at his word. It is trusting the peace markers that God has put in place to help us navigate life. And again, there's a guy called John Piper, who was an American theologian. He used to talk, uh, teach in seminaries. He said this, faith is born and sustained by the word of God. By his definition, faith comes from the word of God. It is the word of God that produces faith. In Romans 10, 17, Paul writes this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Whenever the word of God is preached, there is a potential for faith to be birthed and matured on the inside of us. Whether a preach, through a preach, a podcast, a bit of scripture that's been posted on Facebook, text message you've sent someone to encourage, every single time the word of God is communicated, there is a potential for faith to be birthed and to grow on the inside of the receiver. However, I would like to emphasize the word through in that passage. It doesn't say that faith comes by reading the word of God, does it? It says faith comes by hearing, hearing through the word of God. Reading the word of God is 50% of the job. Reading the word of God and seeking to hear his voice through the word of God is where faith is produced, grows and matures. It's hearing his voice through the word of God. It's when the Spirit of God speaks through the Bible 
that faith is produced and matured within us. This is a really important principle for us to understand if we want to be a people of faith. Over the last series, we've been looking at men and women in the Bible who have moved in great examples of faith, but they all have one thing in common, and that's that they have all responded and been obedient to the word of God, even if that has been challenging, even if that that has meant having to face difficulties, persecutions, whatever it might be, they've remained obedient to the word of God. And at the other end of that obedience and that process of obedience, they were able to have, one, a closer experience of the faithfulness of God, as God proved himself to be true by the word that he's spoken. Two, they had a testimony of faith themselves, that they know that what God has said, God has done. My faith has grown. Whether it was the written word of God, whether it was what I call a revelationary word, a prophetic word that was given to them, whether it was uh, the living word himself that they responded to, Jesus, they all responded and were obedient to the word of God at some level. Which means that for us, if we want to be people of faith, we want to grow in faith, we want to mature in our faith, then the word of God and hearing his voice through it is of fundamental importance. Because it means if we are not reading our Bibles and we are not seeking to hear his voice through his word, then our faith doesn't grow and it doesn't produce the kind of faith God wants to produce in our hearts. In Psalm 1-3, I think it's probably one of my favorite psalms, not because it's number one and it's easy to find. And it makes you think, I started reading the psalms. It's, it's, it's a treasure trove of truth. And in it, David writes this that a person who meditates on the instructions of the Lord will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. In short, getting into the word of God is a good thing. It's like planting yourself next to water that sustains you and nourishes you and grows you. I like to think of it like this. The source, that water, is God speaking through his word to me to grow me, to strengthen me, to develop my faith so that I bear fruit in my seasons, in its season, and also that my leaves never wither. Obviously, we're speaking metaphorically here, but wouldn't it be great to have never withering foliage in our lives, to be producing faith in the relevant seasons? Well, key to that, is his word and hearing his voice through it, rooting ourselves in it. I believe that the Bible, the personal experience I have from my own life, the examples we've been looking at of men and women of faith over the last two months, have all emphasized this fundamental truth. We need to hear the word of God if we want to have faith and the fruit of God's word in our life. And this morning, that's what I want to talk about. Um, and, And this is going to be a word that hopefully will bring maturity. It might bring some challenge. It's challenged me. But I'm hoping that what it will do is it will inspire you and empower you and encourage you and challenge you to go to a deeper level in reading the Word of God. To go from just sort of superficial reading to really studying it and seeking to hear God's voice through it and experiencing the change that that produces on the inside of us as the Holy Spirit gets to work in conjunction with his word. But that takes a process. I don't know if you have noticed or seen any apple trees that suddenly just go and sprout apples everywhere. Apple trees don't work like that. 
Fruit trees don't work like that. They don't just suddenly go and sprout fruit everywhere. It takes time to grow. In fact, it begins way, way before the tree is established in a tiny little seed. That's where it starts. And we're going to be looking at a parable that's probably very familiar to a lot of us. It's called the parable of the sower. And it's in Matthew 13 that talks about the process that the word of God takes in our lives. From the moment we hear it as a seed through to it growing to becoming a tree and bearing fruit in our life. So if you've got a Bible with you, go and flick to Matthew 13 and pop your thumb in it. We're going to read it in a few moments. I believe that most of us have a desire in our hearts to be the person Jesus has called us to be and to do the things that Jesus has called us to do. I think that's a, that's a part of our DNA as we give our lives to Jesus and he comes and takes up residence in, on the inside of us because we become attuned to his heart. And if those things are on his heart, then they're on our hearts too because they kind of beat together. And so I, I, I kind of feel and I, and I believe that on every single one of us there's that kind of deep fundamental desire to want to be like him, to want to do the things that he does and he did. But what often stops us stepping out in areas of faith I think sometimes it's coming to that point of, do I really believe that I am who Jesus says I am? Do I really believe that the word of God is true? Do I really believe that I can do the things that the the gospels say I can do? Can I really walk in those areas of faith that I desire and excite me? The Bible is a key in hearing God that brings change inwardly, producing faith that enables us to step out and grow in some of those areas where we might have questions that hold us back. I became a Christian at the age of 14. For the first 10 years of my Christian life, I didn't place much emphasis on the Word of God. Uh, in fact, my interaction with the Word of God was, was a bit superficial. Can anybody remember back in like the 90s, there was a series of books called Touch Points? Can anybody remember those? Nope. Okay, so let me explain them. So uh, the New Living Translation brought out a, a number of these books, and they, were, they, were, they started off touch points for, and they had like touch points for students, touch points for um, men, touch points for women, touch points for uh, teachers, touch points for leaders, and they were reference books, basically. And if you had a topic or a subject or a thought on your mind that you wanted to know what the Bible said, you'd go to this book, open up the contents, look for it, and flip to the page. So for example, I had touch points for students. And maybe one day I thought, oh, I'd like to know what the Bible says about dating. So I'd go to the front, I'd look up the word dating, and I'd flip to the relevant page, and it might have four or five passages that might speak into the area. And I'd read them, and i think, and I used to think, great, now I know what the Word of God says about dating. I don't. I know about four passages. <laughs> How many passages are there in Scripture that could speak into the area of dating, or any subject area in our life? Loads. I kind of approach the Word of God a little bit like a vending machine, you know, you, you've been to, as a kid, we used to go swimming at QE, and you'd finish swimming, and then you'd see the vending machine, you're like, oh yeah, fancy a snack. And that's, that's often how sometimes we approach the Word of God, we treat it like a vending machine. We quickly put a coin in, get a snack, eat a snack, I feel better. The problem is, with a snack, is it doesn't sustain you for long, does it? It doesn't give you the nutrients you need to grow. It just satiates the need. That's all it does. But if you really want to grow, you've got to deep, you know, go, go beyond the vending machine approach to God's word. You have to dig deep. You have to look for the meat. You have to you know, have a feast in there. Really eat it. Chew on it. Metaphorically, to understand it and get it on the inside of you. That's where 
God begins to produce growth on the inside of you. More than snacking, really delving into the word, really getting deep into the word. Treating it that, that way means that we don't really come to a full and rich knowledge of who he is, who we are, what we're capable of in him. Our relationship with him is often stunted. Our understanding about certain things are stunted. Eventually, on a very broad range, our faith remains immature that way, doesn't it? It doesn't grow. If we rely on the snacking all the time, we never grow. We remain stunted. We've got to go for more than snacks. So why don't we have a look at the parable of the sower? So we can understand the process of God's word as it works on the inside of us. So starting in Matthew 13, we're going to chop out the little bit in the middle. So we're going to jump the middle bit to the explanation that Jesus gives after, just so you can track with me. So starting in verse number one. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Who has, ears, who has ears, let him hear. And then jumping down to verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away at what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Jesus tells us that the word of God, when we allow it to become planted in our lives, will grow and produce a fruit a hundred 60 or 30 times as much as what's been planted. So what starts as a tiny little seed produces much fruit in our lives. The word fruit here can mean several different things. It can mean, if we look at Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, character, change in our character. It can mean a deepening relationship with the Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. It could mean breakthroughs in areas that, that we get hung up on or are stuck with, sin issues, hurts, pains from the past. It could be knowing God's will in, in different areas of your life. It could be stepping out in spiritual giftings and seeing God working through you and impacting the people around you. All of which, when we begin to experience that in our lives and God's working in those areas, develop our faith. And there are three things I'd like to draw out that Jesus emphasizes in this parable that are key for us to be, in becoming people of faith and walking greater levels of faith. Firstly, it all begins with a seed. Sometimes seeds are really hard to spot. They're, they're quick to miss. 
And sometimes the word of God can be like that. Think of the example of scrolling through Facebook and a mate's posted a passage. You could scroll past that really quickly and miss the seed. So sometimes we need to slow down and look for where God is throwing out the seed. Even now, as I'm speaking, God is sowing out seed through the word that I'm preaching. When you read your Bible and, you, and, and you're studying scripture, he is chucking out seed. And the interesting thing about the sower is he's just chucking it out there. He's not bothered where it's landing. He wants the seed out. So God is continually throwing the seed out and wanting to speak through that seed. Whether you listen to a podcast, a preach online, a bit of scripture on your Instagram feed, whatever it might be, that is God throwing out his word as a seed and it carries the potential of producing a maturing faith in your life. Let's take a natural seed and look at how a natural seed works to understand the principle that Jesus is illustrating. Within that tiny little seed is all the DNA to produce a tree that bears fruit, that tiny little seed. And if I was to take that, let's say an apple seed, and I was to pop it in your hand, would that tree grow and produce fruit? Why not? You're right, why not? If I gave you that seed and put it in your hand, why would that not grow fruit? It needs to be sown. The word needs to be planted. We can read the Bible close it, walk away and get on with our day. We can hear a message on a Sunday morning, go and have lunch, forget all about it. We haven't planted it. So what happens is the enemy can come and snatch that away really quickly. What do you do when you hear the word of God? Do you hold it in your hand? Do you plant it? You've been given a seed, and within that seed is a potential for the word of God to grow and bear fruit in you and through you. And this is God's desire for his word. His word is not there to give you information, it's there to bring transformation to your life. Transformation to you. God wants to make you Christ-like, like his son, moving in the things that Christ moved in, to be a person of faith. And it starts with you taking the seed of the word of God and planting it in your life to grow you and to produce fruit in you. So the next question quite naturally comes from that is how do we plant the word? How do I take that seed? What do I do with that seed to implant it, embed it in my life? How do I do that? Well, Jesus talks about four different types of soil, which he uses as a metaphor for the human heart. The first one he talks about is along the path, or some translations render it as the wayside. Uh, And uh, any seed that falls on the wayside gets snatched away by the enemy really quickly. What's really interesting is in, uh, in Jewish culture back then, along the path or the wayside was an idiom that was known to represent a different way of thinking or a contrary way of thinking. If you were wayside in your thinking, you were completely away from one topic. So when Jesus uses this illustration, what he's saying is, is wayside people, along the path people, are people whose minds have got no interest in the things of God. Like, it doesn't even factor. They don't, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to know about it. They don't want to listen. It just bounces off the mind. They carry on with their life. For such people, the word never becomes planted and rooted. It just gets snatched away. So where's your thinking at? Are you looking and trying to recognize when the word of God is placed as a seed in your hand? Are you bringing your thinking to that place of trying to recognize when God is speaking to you? 
The second soil is the person who accepts the word of God when they hear it, but when it goes, uh, when it gets tough, when life gets tough, interestingly here, on account of the word, they give up. On account of the word. Tough times come to produce and inspire the growth. I find that fascinating. That's what this passage is saying. So the seed, if we are wanting it to plant and grow fruit, we have to expect and be prepared and ready to walk through tough times for that seed to grow and mature. It almost seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? But actually, it says that tough times come, trials and tribulations, on account of the word. Tough times expose those people whose response to the word is emotional in the moment, but really non-committal in totality. Like, yes, yes, when tough times come, this is hard work, maybe not. (laughs) That's what tough times expose. Are you going to hang on and hold on to the word that God has spoken to you? When the whiteout hits you on the top of a mountain, are you going to hold on to what you know are the markers in God's word to get you to safety? Or are you going to try and do it on your own? The third soil represents a person who accepts and understands the word of God, but cares for things like wealth and materialism and everyday concerns, which Jesus says are like weeds. Now, the thing with weeds is they steal the nutrients from the good plants. So what Jesus is saying here is, is if your thinking is too preoccupied with, oh, no, I've got to pay the bills. Oh, no, what about this? Uh, You know, all the materialistic things that go on in our life. If we are too worried about those things, they will choke the faithfulness that the word of God produces in our life because we're not placing faith on those, what God says about those things we're worrying about. We're placing more faith in the things that we are worried about. And that is worry. It's placing faith in the wrong things. It's stealing from you the fruit that God wants to produce in your life. So are you allowing those everyday cares to rob your mind and your attention from the word of God? And then the last soil that Jesus refers to is good soil. Now, this represents a person who receives the word and understands it. This person will experience fruit. So the key to planting the word of God is understanding it. That's how it becomes planted. That means when we read scripture, we've got to slow it right down to understand what we're reading because then it becomes planted in in our mind. So... The, the, the planting bit is not this kind of me- metaphorical idea. Actually, it's a very practical idea. I've got to take what I'm hearing and I've got to understand it. When I read my Bible, do I start asking God questions about what I'm reading? Am I trying to work it out and divide portions of Scripture so that I understand what it means? Because when I start doing that, that's how it becomes planted. It begins to take root in our mind. When we start widening that out and looking at other bits of Scripture that feed into that thing that we're studying or that aspect of of Jesus that we're looking at or issue in our life that we're trying to find the word of God's answer to, when we start adding those bits, then the tree begins to grow as we seek to understand the overarching theologies in Scripture. There's another key in here that Jesus doesn't expressly say it, but it is inferred by the text. And it's this, is that as we go through a a, a process where we must patiently trust that God is growing the word on the inside of us so that it produces fruit. There is a mystery here, isn't there, about how the seed becomes a tree. In the same way that we plant a seed in the ground, we just have to trust it's growing, right? We can't keep digging it up every day and having a look because every time we dig it up, we're probably killing the sapling. What we have to do is read it and understand it and trust that God is growing that on the inside of us. 
There's an element here where we have to exercise faith whilst God produces faith on the inside of us. We have to keep being obedient to that word. We've got to keep hold of it in our mind and trust that it's planted and it's growing. It's a mystery. There's another parable that speaks about that, but we haven't got time to go there today. So when you're reading your Bible in your quiet time or you're listening to a podcast about you know, some teaching or you're listening to a preach, you're being given seed by God. He's chucking it out. The biggest example in this passage that we see as to what we do with that seed is given by the disciples because they say to Jesus, we don't understand the parable. Can you teach us? So they drew aside with him and they let him explain what it meant. How often do we read our Bibles and invite Jesus to speak to us? It's really easy, and I'm just as guilty of this as probably the next person in busy lifestyles, busy days, working people. It's really easy, isn't it, just to quickly read our Bible, to keep up with our plan, to tick the box, so that we say that we've done it, I spent some time in God's Word, and and then I feel like I've done my bit. But the reality is, is, That's snacking on the word. Am I stopping and putting time aside to draw alongside Jesus and asking him, speak to me through your word. Help me understand this, Jesus. Speak to my inner man so I get this. Are we drawing aside with him? Because reading the Bible is not an academic process. It's a relational endeavor with our Savior. It's not an academic process process. It's relational with Jesus. Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and life. Are we listening to him? So as we've been considering men and women of faith, there's a principle here that I really felt God weighing on my heart for us that we must go deeper into hearing him. And the bog standard entry level for every single person in this room is the Bible. Yes, God also speaks revelatory, prophetic words, and they're just as important, but the entry level for every single believer is the word of God. For growth and fruit and faith to develop on the inside of us. I'll give you an example. I recently went on a training day for evangelists, and uh, Adrian Holloway was there as a guest speaker. If you don't know Adrian Holloway, he's an evangelist. He wrote the book, Shock of Your Life, um, and after shock, he's very well known. He, he said in, in a seminar that he gave that there was a point in his life several years ago where he decided, and I'll quote him, I wanted to understand healing if all I had to go on was what the Word of God said about healing. Not what other people have told me, not about the competing theologies out there. So what he did is he took the Bible and he started tracking through Scripture every account of healing. And every single time he said, God, show me what you are saying about healing. And it changed his approach to ministering and healing when he was at Evangelistic Crusades. So before doing this, he used to preach a message and then offer healing. Instead, he changed it around because he realized that when you look at the example of Jesus, when Jesus is evangelizing, he starts by by some kind of supernatural move, a casting out of a demon, a healing of some kind, and then he would preach the gospel 
Why did he do it that way? Well, Adrian Holloway came to this conclusion that when somebody witnesses the supernatural breakthrough of God like that, it opens up people's hearts and minds to receive and want to hear. And so he'd start doing crusades like that. Rather than start with a preach, he'd say, right, everyone stand up. We're going to ask God to heal anybody who's got a physical need. And then they would, do that. They would just invite God, and they'd wait. And then they would see various healings. And in fact, he said, I saw healings increase as I started to follow this method. But the principle I wanted to illustrate is this. Are we living our Christian life just listening to secondhand revelation from other people? Or are we going directly to the word of God and seeking what he says, who is the source of truth? It's a big question, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying we chuck out theologians, and I'm not saying that, so please don't hear that or freak out that I'm speaking something heretical there, because those people have often gone through this process. They've heard from God. But let's be honest, not everybody gets that right all the time, because we're human. The plumb line is his voice through his word, first and foremost. I think what a lot of people struggle with is that this requires a relationship with Jesus, an invested relationship, an investment in time. It takes dedication. I can't just read my Bible in 10 minutes and tick the box and crack on. I've got to stop. I've got to listen. I've got to draw aside with him. I've got to ask myself tough questions. I have to use the word of God like a mirror to measure myself against it. I've got to let Jesus speak to me. Sometimes that's encouraging. Other times, he might nail me on an issue that I need to deal with in my character or whatever it might be, and it's a sin issue that we're stuck on. It takes challenge. And sometimes we're put off at that time and that investment that is required of us. Sometimes I think people look for the quick fix on a ministry line. If I get prayed for and have a warm fuzzy, then I can go away feeling happier about life. But for some of us, our fix isn't going to come by a prayer, by prayer line. It's not going to come by someone praying for you. Sometimes it's going to come by you getting hold of God's word and getting it on the inside of you that it produces change, long-lasting change that somebody praying for you isn't going to achieve. This is a word that is going to bring maturity to people because it's going to require you to go deeper into God's word in certain areas of your life to get the seed planted on the inside of you and being obedient to it. What might that look like for you? So I'm just going to give you three, four quick application points. I'm not going to spend too much time on these, so I want to make sure we've got time to worship. Action point number one. Identify the areas where you want to have more faith or see breakthrough or step out on in or see change in your life. Identify those areas. Is there a good place to start seeking God and his voicing? Which leads it to step number two, study God's word in that area. Maybe you aren't sure how to study God's word. Maybe that's new to you. Maybe you need some help. Come and speak to one of us. There are tools that we can give you, advice that we can give you to help you study the word of God. So if that's something you want to get into and you're not sure how, come and talk to me. Come and talk to one of the leaders. Grab somebody who's already doing that and say, how do you do... Allow them to disciple you in that area. Third point, probably the most crucial, study the word with Jesus. 
Invite him into your study times and be open to him to speak to you. There is a great prayer in Ephesians 1, chapter 17, that I pray all the time when I'm reading scripture. And it's this, that Paul prays to the Ephesians church that God would give to them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that they would know him better, that they would know the hope to which he calls them, that they would know the inheritance that they share with all of the saints, the church, and that they would come to know the power of God at work on the inside of them. That's an amazing prayer, isn't it? What if we took that and prayed that for ourselves? God, speak to me. Give me wisdom and revelation. Help me to know the hope to which you call me. And when I've prayed that way, the amazing thing is this. God is faithful to his word, and he does just that. And then, action point number four, don't give up. Keep being obedient. Be resilient. Be tenacious. Tough times will come on account of the word so that it produces fruit. Don't give up when the tough times hit or the whiteouts come along. Keep doing what Jesus is telling you to do. That is how we've ended up with example after example of men and women who we regard as people who've moved in great faith because they kept going and they didn't give up. They kept remaining obedient, even when it made no sense or it was tough to do so. So let me summarize it this way. God wants his children, you and I, to be people of faith. People who experience faith as we come to know who he is, who we are in relationship to him, and what he's called us and equipped us to do, all of which comes through us understanding his word and him speaking through it to us. Such growth and maturity in our developing faith, often resulting in inner change and healing and development of a Christ-like character and confidence in gifting, comes through hearing his voice through his word. The desire and pursuit to understand what God speaks is how we plant his word in our life so it begins to grow. Earlier I mentioned how for the first 10 years of my walk with Jesus, I had a superficial relationship with Jesus and his word. After about 10 years of Christian life like that, I came to a point where I wanted something deeper and authentic and life-changing. Anybody ever had that moment when you're just like, there's more to this and I'm not getting it? And you start praying, God, why? What am I missing? What am I lacking? Give me the Holy Spirit fuzzies, you know, to, to make me feel like I'm getting it. None of that worked for me. Why? Because that was not the way it was going to come in my life. The way it was going to come in my life was I had to get serious about the Word of God to become a person of faith and to experience that authenticness that I was desiring and longing for. So I enrolled in a Bible school, and it was there that I really understood this principle of listening to his voice through his word, of slowing it down, seeking him. And as I started to do that, I found that I began to change, and it wasn't necessarily tangibly noticeable. But suddenly someone would say to me, something's different about you, something's changed recently. People become that barometer that God's beginning to work in my life. Issues of sin stopped being an issue. It was a mystery. Have you ever noticed in Genesis, the Holy Spirit was hovering above the waters, right? It was waiting. But the moment God spoke, the Holy Spirit got to work. Notice that. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. When you get the word of God spoken to your heart, Holy Spirit's ready to move. It's a mystery. He begins to shape you and change you on the inside. That's where the growth comes. So it was only about getting serious with God that I began to grow and develop. And the same is true for all of us. 
It's not unique to me, and I'm not a finished article. Please don't hear that. No way near am I the finished article. It's a, it's a lifelong journey that we go on in hearing his voice and growing as a result. So I want to finish by encouraging you in the week ahead to take the principles that I've talked about today and embed them in your Bible study. Embed them when you're listening to a podcast or a video on YouTube. Not just to be superficial, but to really think about it and mull it over and plant the word of God in your life. And I promise you, God will bring transformation and change and grow your faith as a result. Brilliant. I didn't, didn't, look at that. Seamless. I didn't even have to ask the worship band to come up. <laughs> look at that. 